Hi, welcome along to the Methodist Central Hall Westminster podcast. It's Dan Forshaw here. I'm delighted to be back with you. Sorry for the break in the podcast. It's great, though, to have a new guest. And our guest today is a very special member of our facilities team, Marie Markey. Marie has been in with the rest of the team throughout the pandemic, ensuring that systems are running correctly and that our building still stands. Marie has come on the podcast because she's taking part in the Ration Challenge, raising money for refugees who really have become part of the forgotten story of this pandemic. Don't forget, please do subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and leave a review. A five-star review will really make a difference. So please don't forget, leave a review, tell other people how you found this and get the word out there. We will be heading back to in-person worship services from the 23rd of May. Uh, Check out mchw.live for more information ahead of the big switch on the 27th of June where our online services will move to 9.30am and we will have a return to worship at 11am in the Great Hall. But we'll be back on the 23rd of May, which is Pentecost, at 6pm in the Great Hall. Again, please check out mchw.live for more information. I'm going to head over to the interview now that I did last week with Marie. Enjoy. Please do uh, support her in any way you can. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled that joining us on the podcast today is Marie Markey, who is our systems administrator uh, at Methodist Central Hall, Westminster, and she is joining me on the line from the Emmanuel Room in the building. Good afternoon, Marie. It is. It's nice to see you again. It's been such a weird um, 18, well, uh, 18 months, years time, hasn't it, in terms of you've been going into the building, whereas the rest of us have been kept away. So how have you found Westminster during the lockdown? Well, in the beginning, it was really eerie. Um, Nobody was around. There weren't even red buses out. I think I took some wonderful photographs from the dome. Uh, early on, just kind of documenting how creepy it was. Uh, thankfully, footfall's coming back a bit. So it's nice to see people returning. Great stuff. Now, Marie, you've got a lovely accent there, but it's got a more of a hint of Illinois rather than Islington. So I'm just wondering what brought you to London uh, and more specifically, what brought you onto the staff team at Central Hall? So I'm originally from the Midwest and it's lovely there, but I wanted to challenge myself a bit and try to learn a different culture and... I think that London was a really good choice for me because it has a bunch of different cultures all in one place. Brilliant. And what brought you uh, to Central Hall? What was the experience you had to come here? Um, I just like building restoration. And this is a lovely historic bu- building to do that in. And I'm part of a really great team that gets to you know, keep such a wonderful, iconic building uh, ticking along, especially during a pandemic. Brilliant. So you've been going in, as we said before, you've been going in most days. What have you been doing during the days? How how are you and the team working together to sort of keep our building, you know, still functioning, ready for when we return? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of everything, to be honest. It's things as simple as just flushing the taps and making sure that, you know, the water in the building's not getting stagnant um, all the way through to, you know, lights going out, making sure that they're being replaced, making sure that the boilers are still working and all the heating pumps are still working and nothing's crashing in and falling in on itself. So we're doing a little bit of everything right now. At the start um, of the pandemic, we, we you took the opportunity, I believe, to do quite a bit of work, um, sort of generally sort of maintaining the building. Some of the floors were re-sanded. There's new carpet in the library and, and the lecture hall. I've got to remember the few times I've been in, 
the smell. I love that smell of new carpet. So what what else, what else is happening? That what what things can people expect to see when they return uh, for church on the twenty third of May? Yeah, absolutely. What you just said about the carpets in the lecture hall library and that corridor in between are replaced and they're gorgeous and they're so springy. You can, when you walk on them, it feels so great. Um, but we also did a lot of refurbishment to the second floor, and so the events rooms on the second floor um, are are redone as well. And there were a little bit of work in the church offices as well. But I think you were you were still here right as those were finishing up. So how long have you been in the UK for now, Marie? Uh, going on three years. So obviously visiting has been curtailed a little bit in the last year or so. But I wondered, you know, before the pandemic and, and maybe sort of a little bit during the last year when we haven't been in lockdown, which areas of the country have you been able to visit and which ones are the most notable ones for you? Well, I was lucky enough to do quite a bit of traveling before the lockdown. And then, as you said, last summer when it was a little less restricted, um, some of my favorite places in the UK is the Jurassic Coast. I like to get out and go on, you know, small little hikes. And so I love going out and seeing Dirtledore and Old Harry's Rock and just places like that. So Swanage was a big one, Bournemouth, Isle of Wight, places like that I really, really enjoy. And what cultural differences have you noticed? I mean, one of the things that often gets spoken about is that whilst the UK and the US speak the same language, we have very, very different cultures. And I wonder if there's sort of some some cultural things you've noticed about London that are quite different from the Midwest. Oh, there have been so many. Uh, you're absolutely right. People assume because, you know, Americans and English people speak the same language that it's very easy to traverse and go go from one to the other. But my experience has been everybody has been so friendly and so welcoming, but there are just vast differences. You know, even just something as simple as what we call, you know, a cookie and a biscuit, you know, and, and learning a difference with that. So excellent. And how, how are you finding London? Do you feel more of a Londoner now? Are you able to get yourself around on the tube? Are you do you know which carriages to get in and out of in order to have the fastest commute? Absolutely. I actually feel like I'm very much a Londoner now. I identify whole heartedly with London. And I think the pandemic, interestingly, has been really helpful in me understanding how to get around a bit more. Um, I live very centrally. And so it's very easy for me to walk places. And I've definitely taken the opportunity throughout the pandemic to get out as much as I could and just go on walks. And so by doing that, I'm able to learn all the different boroughs and, and you know, ways to get around. And it's been really helpful. Excellent. Now, you also have... Um a different discipline that you you also which I, I, was, I haven't briefed you that I was going to talk about which is your ballerina your your ballet dancing um so tell us a little bit about how you got into ballet dancing and 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 things like that as a, as a as a child what, what what was the starting point on that yeah so I've been a ballerina since I was seven and it's just always been a really fun hobby it's been a really good creative outlet for me and it's just something that I continue to do and just really enjoy it. It's a great exercise and it's a great just way to get out of your head for a while. Mm -hmm. So what sort of ballet, is it sort of Tchaikovsky and that sort of stuff or is it more modern stuff? Or yes, I've been classically trained. Um, however, I, I typically like to do a bit more modern dance now. I like to kind of incorporate all the different kinds, kinds of dance. So you can do jazz and tap and ballet and mix them all together and kind of come up with something that's a bit different, but a lot of fun. Before the pandemic, I was volunteering a lot with a community center, just helping teach little kids. And I really did enjoy that quite a bit. And then when the pandemic hit, that all went online. <laughs> and trying to get little kids to focus um, when you're not there to, to kind of re-guide them and, and help them out a bit is a bit difficult, but we've been getting through it. And 
slowly we'll get back into the studio. Excellent. And are you, how much are you looking forward to being able, do you getting back onto a stage? Is that something that you're looking forward to doing yourself? Do you do any much performing these days yourself? Um, obviously not for the last year or so, but I do hope to get back to it eventually. I feel like I'll be dreadfully out of practice. Um, so there will be a, probably a lot of sore muscles and bruised toes, but I'll get back to it. Well, my favorite one is Sylvia, which is a lesser known, but to me, it's just the choreography is just gorgeous. And as well as the costumes, which to me can make or break a, a show. Um, mm -hmm. But I just I, I love the music. I think it's very whimsical. And mm. and to dance to something like that is just lovely. And one of the things that you, you've uh, spoken about and also shared on social media, as we have on our uh, social media channels ourselves is that you're going to be doing the ration challenge uh, in 2021. Now, um, could you tell us a little bit more about what the ration challenge is and, and, and what it's what it's raising money for? Yeah, the aim of the ration challenge UK 2021 is to raise money and awareness um, by pledging to only eat the rations that are allotted to refugees for an entire week. So from the 13th of June until the 19th of June, my diet's going to be incredibly restricted. Um, but the money raised will provide emergency food, health care and life saving support to refugees, including those hardest hit by the pandemic. Brilliant. I mean, which, which sort of areas uh, are close to your heart in terms of refugees? I mean, in a way, in the last 12 months, we've not really heard much about places like Syria and, and Lebanon and, and um, yet the Yemen. You know, it's kind of faded from our news as, you know, the pandemic has been brought closer to home. But of course, you know, th those areas, the whole world has been affected by this pandemic. And I'm just wondering if you can tell us a little bit about, you know, some some of the sort of areas that you've learned about when you've taken on this challenge. One place, one of the largest ref refugees camps is actually Cox's Bazaar in Bangladesh. And it's home to roughly 860,000 people who had to flee uh, the violence in Myanmar. Um, and it, that camp has been extremely affected by coronavirus. And there was like a great fear that the health crisis would actually spiral into a hunger crisis. And refugees, especially children in this camp and camps like it, are being diagnosed daily with severe malnutrition. And so what I really like about this challenge is that through the fundraising and just awareness, um, we are able to get those children and, and adults, but specifically the children, to receive emergency therapeutic food and healthcare appointments, which is massively needed. And then um, also uh, places like South Sudan, uh, the coronavirus has not only caused food systems to come under immense strain, but it's actually caused the casual work to dry up, which all like, most of the refugees rely on that casual work as their main source of income. And it's important that these refugees aren't left unnoticed. Um, and again, one of the things that I like about this fundraiser is not only are we just providing, you know, the funds to have the therapeutic foods or to have health care, um, but we are also through this this uh, this challenge, we're able to provide the seeds, the tools, and the training to teach refugees how to grow their own food, which I think is huge. Um, Around 1.6 million South Sudanese people live in these displacement camps around the country. And it's really important that they are, you know, given, taught a skill that hopefully they can use to better their lives. That's brilliant. That's really, really great. I mean, one of the things that um, I, I was drawing the attention to was, was just this... Um, sheer numbers of people that you know now in refugee camps that you know the way of life must be 
pretty horrific anyway but the fact that now they're living through this this crisis um it's it's pretty much so how much um what are some of the examples what can people sponsor you on what what, what, for example does 10 pounds get for the sponsorship yeah i mean 10 pounds would help out so much i think it takes as i think it's something like 14 pounds actually can feed a refugee for an entire month so i mean that's huge i think that 30 pounds provides um, like what they call a coronavirus kit, which um, is all the health care that goes into if, if they contract coronavirus, you know, um, the testing and everything that they may need to recover from that. But any little bit helps. I mean, even even five quid would make such a difference to, you know, somebody. If, you, if you're thinking about a little kid that's just hungry and think about you know, what does that hunger mean? If they're, if they're, you know, trying to learn and all they can't get past the hunger pains in their tummies, you know, it's, mm. it, it would mean the world. Mm. And so if people want to sponsor you and find out more, where can they go to? Yeah, if they wanted to sponsor me, um, I can share a link, uh, but they would just go to my uh, Ration Challenge UK 2021 page and it has all the information they need. I'm just there now. So that's rationchallenge, all one word, .org.uk, and then it's forward slash Marie and hyphen Marky. We will publish the link in the podcast stuff, and it's on our social media channels as well. Um, yeah, it's such a fantastic, fantastic thing. You've got any particular preparations you're taking for this? I mean, are you loading up at Pret and um, Costa beforehand, or are you reducing your calorie intake uh, before it gets there? I think the way to do it would be to reduce my calorie intake. Um, uh-huh. Just so... I'm a bit more prepared for it. We'll see how I get on. I have a feeling I'll be a bit grouchy that whole week, but you know, it, it's one week, and this That's is their just life. before just before we all come back as well. So uh, <laughs> even worse for you on that. But Marie, it's such a wonderful thing that you're doing, and and uh, bless you know, God bless you for doing it. And it's a really really great thing to shine a light, particularly at this time when you know the. the refugee camps and the, and the Syrian crisis and things have they've slipped off the news headlines and um, it's great that you're drawing attention back to this so thank you very much for, for going ahead and thank you for all the work you've done uh, at Central Hall and we've a great smiling face every time we come back into the building it's uh, it's been amazing and we can't wait uh, to be able to see you all in the flesh and, uh, and, and catch up as a team. Well thank you so much for having me on and thank you for helping me um, spread the word about this fundraiser and this really great cause. No problem. Thank you very much, Marie. Take care. Bye-bye now.